Welcome to the second episode of the Hot Hot Hoops podcast. I'm Brandon Aperno, a Heat senior writer over at SB Nation Hot Hot Hoops, and I'm here with another senior writer, Matt Hannafin. Matt, how you doing today, man? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Three games into it. Uh, I'm just, I'm ready to talk some hoops, ready to get, ready to spew some takes, whatever, overreactions, underreactions, uh, positives, negatives, whatever it is, uh, I'm ready to talk about it. Let's get into it. The hottest takes at Hot Hot Hoops. Yeah. Are we renaming the podcast? I don't, I'm not a big hot takes guy, um, <laughs> just because half of them I just think are nonsense, but I might have a few here or there. Well, man, we're less than three games into the season. All we have is hot takes at this point. This is how it, this is how it is. Right. Right. We we say our takes now, and then we look back at them in April, and we're just like, dude, what? Like that was the that was that was the dumbest thing I could say at the time. But hey, we're we have to go off a three game sample, small sample nonetheless. But uh, absolutely. Well, here we are. Here we are one and two. Uh, half of Heat Twitter wants us to tank, and half of Heat <laughs> Twitter hates Kyle Lowry. So. Um, <laughs> Let's let's get into it. Uh, first things first, man. We're three games in. Uh, what have you liked and what have you disliked? What have I liked? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of where to start here with this. Okay, I can say all right. Let's start with a few things I dislike. One of the things that I've disliked from the start, and it makes sense when you kind of contextualize everything. But one thing I haven't been particularly fond of was the rebounding or the, so, or at times the lack thereof of rebound. But when you contextualize it with uh, the amount of size that Miami has, I mean, when you look at some of these rosters, I mean, the NBA, they're getting lengthier and longer each and each year. It feels like, it feels like we're in, there's teams that are just filled with length, like the Pelicans. You look at their multiple bigs that they got with Jonas Valanciunas and Zion Williamson and Jackson Hayes. And then you look at the, Raptors, who we just played, I mean, the Raptors aren't a big team, but they're a long team. They have plenty of length. And um, the Heat, not that they don't have length, it's just they're not – like they have guys who are like Gabe Vincent who are like 6'1", 6'2", but with like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, wingspans, but they're not big. And like Cleveland last year, for example, I, mean, I know I'm comparing teams – I'm comparing Miami here to the extremes, but I'm just using it as an example. I mean, is it really um, the like, extremes? They're all player. They're all teams within the Eastern Conference. These are right. going to be the rivals. Well, right? except the Pelicans, but like, except, yes. the, like Cleveland, for example, last year they rolled with like their three big lineup with Lowry, Markin, and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and that really helped them. I mean, you can't not one size fits all. I mean, Miami's been a team throughout, um, whether it was. I don't know, within the last couple of years, at least within the Jimmy era, they haven't been necessarily a big team. I mean, the biggest team that we probably saw in terms of like height, the players that played was probably the bubble year where they had Myers Leonard who got eventually played off the floor. And then Kelly Olenek, who um, we all know how I, I mean, Kelly's not, I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything against Kelly, but like he wasn't the best nor the worst player that that was on the team at the time. He worked um, but like, the Miami's I've, I've been a little bit of a proponent over time just to advocate for more size because Miami just doesn't have a lot of size on the interior. But again, like that also comes with the fact that Bam Adebayo is your center and Bam Adebayo, I think is a center. I don't think he is a four. Um, and if you are, were to put a big next to him, you would, you would have to space the floor, right? You would have to open up that space for everyone else. And I don't think, Miami necessarily has anyone on the roster right now who can do that. Yes, I don't think Omer Yurt 7 is that answer. I don't think uh, 
Dwayne Dedman has that answer. I'm sure we'll get to them later when we talk about other things, but um, Miami's lack of rebounding has been a little bit of like trouble. I think they're at least approaching the bottom third. They were bottom third rebounding percentage, offense rebounding percentage, defense rebounding percentage. They scrap for them, um, but I guess they're at times have been out, out overwhelmed by the size of like Boston. At times they were getting beaten for loose balls against Chicago in the opener. Um, part of that was effort. Um, rebounding is to a degree just effort, uh, but there was just other times where they just, they're just not big enough sometimes down low. And that also, that's schematically what happens when you switch, when you soft switch one through five. I mean, when Bam's playing on the perimeter, half the possessions, there's not, I mean, you're, you're really going to ask Kyle Lowry to bat, box out. I don't know, Jason Tatum or something like, like it's just not, it's not always the most feasible, realistic, I guess, outcome or that those doesn't always generate the most realistic outcome. So, I mean, three bending, I haven't been necessarily fond of at times, especially when it's come to some of these big runs that these teams have had, especially Boston in that second half um, yeah. when Miami crawled back. I mean, just, I, I don't know. Three bounding has left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because Miami was a good rebounding team last year, um, despite having, again, a, not very much size. So, I mean, I I'm, I'm guess I'm just spewing whatever here but no um, i mean that's a fair take man but i mean besides you wanting to lead the hassan white side return to miami club yeah uh, <laughs> right. um i think i think it's a fair assessment the heat don't have size um mm-hmm. and they have to compensate that with physicality and uh effort and, and i another point i think i put this when we were talking about it in the slack after i think it was friday's game oh, yeah. um nobody was when we were all we were all just kind of like upset, and I was just like, you know, like they're missing PJ to an extent, not because of his rebounding numbers per se himself. I mean, he only averaged like I don't can't remember off the top of my head like five or six rebounds a game. It wasn't like he was averaging nine or ten or whatever, and he was going to completely solve the issue. But um, just his physicality, his box outs, they were very crucial for Miami to get loose balls and sometimes get the 50-50 balls that they just haven't been getting at points during these first three games. And I think that's really important and really something that we should point out not to say that Caleb Martin or um, whomever is in that four spot or whoever's on the floor, whichever five is on the floor can't, isn't capable of doing that, but it's just something to point out. Like when you're watching these games, like I can't remember who was announcing the game against the Celtics, but they were beat. No, it was Van Gundy. It was Van Gundy. It was beaten with the drum. That was like, Hey, yeah, Miami's not big. They're, they're going super small. And I mean, Boston wasn't even, they didn't didn't even have their most athletic player out there. And Robert Williams who's hurt. Yeah. And you could just you you could still tell that just there was something missing there, like there wasn't as much physicality. And I think that that's something to point out. Um, I'm not I don't want to criticize Pat Riley or Andy Ellsberg for their team construction, because I still think the team is not poorly constructed. But it's just something that I've advocated for over time, which, uh, again, I'm just spewing whatever here, but. Uh, I just think the lack of rebounding has been a little bit of an issue. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's related to a lot of things. It kind of leads me into things that I quite disliked um, about the first three games. And one of them is like, I think might cause a little bit of PTSD for heat fans, but the team, the way it looks right now reminds me a lot of the post bubble finals run 2020, uh, 2021 heat who were really uneven for most of the season. And, uh, 
besides that push at the trade deadline of getting of securing Victor Oladipo, didn't do anything, you know, and it turned into it, it turned into uh, what a uh, first round um, first round playoff sweep. Um, I and, and that was a Heat team again that didn't make many changes coming off the finals run. They brought pretty much everybody back. Um, I don't know if the Heat will probably go that route uh, this year. I think that um, I, I'd like to see Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg uh, swing for the fences a little bit at the deadline because changes are needed. Um, it's like you saying, the rebound and the physicality is a huge point. I don't think Dwayne Dedman's that guy. I don't know if you're that guy. I'd like to see him play off of Bam a little bit more to kind of get that. But the lack of size, it's, it's number one, it's strange for a Heat team to not have any size, uh, just given how the construct roster construction has been over the last like 20 years. You know, there's always that guy. But at the same time, I think what strikes me and is the thing I dislike the most, and it's what I put in the Slack channel, is um, this core has been together so long. You know, we've seen them, we've seen them together really since that bubble run finals, you know, excluding uh, maybe say Kyle Lowry and a, a couple other pieces. That core of, of Jimmy, of Bam, um, of Tyler, really at this point, you know, they've all been there. And the same mistakes are coming up. Like, uh, like, like I said in the Slack channel, um, probably I'd say five of the last 10 years that I covered the heat, I've had to write in the thing like, Oh, Miami has, uh, you know, lost it in the third because they've suffered a scoring drought. It's like scoring out, scoring drought, scoring drought, scoring drought, or they fell apart and couldn't maintain the lead. It's the same thing every season. And they can't like, and it always rears its head like uh, around playoff time or just in crucial moments. You know, there's a lot of winnable games that the Heat will lose, the Celtics game included, the Chicago game definitely included, where it's like, you know, a little bit more effort, a little bit more physicality, and those are easy wins. Or not necessarily easy wins, but those are wins that you could, escape, uh, that you could squeak out. Like, we look at the Celtics game on Friday, um, the Heat were pulling it back towards the stretch, but really, in order to win that game, they probably needed another Jimmy Butler playoff performance. And really that's like you can't you can't have that jimmy's too old for that at this point you know you need that secondary score and i don't know who that's going to be like uh um, tyler hero was in foul trouble last night and you know he looked great for when he when he was playing you know but it's like it's hard for me to say that your best secondary score on the heat when they're in trouble is going to be max Struess. you know what i mean and then i don't know if it's going to be victor oladipo especially with the knee tendonitis thing that's going to be chronic all season so you look at Donovan Mitchell's scoring numbers and, you know, you know, part, part of you wonders, but um, yeah, I think that's the main thing. I agree with you on the physicality and the rebounding. And I just really hate the fact that we're seeing the same old, same old, you know um, it's like, it's getting a little bit redundant at this point and uh, I'd love to see it fixed, but you know, we've started with the negativity. Now we can go over to the positivity a little bit because, you know, for all the bad that we've seen and, you know, it's not the most ideal start we've had, there has been some good stuff. So Matt, what have you liked? Well, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, you, you gave me a lot there now. I just oh, okay. To, okay. Respond, respond. I just want to respond. Well, I'm just to bounce off my first point. I'm looking at it right now in terms of if you prorate it per hundred possessions, he are six force in the league in second point. The second chance points allowed per game per hundred possessions at 17.6. And so that gives you perspective. They're only behind the Knicks, Timberwolves, Thunder, Grizzlies, and Nets through three games. Um, and so I'm just using that as a point. Like the one of the, I mean, there's a, there's a few other things that I could easily say. I mean, one of the things that um, was better last night 
against Toronto specifically in that first half um, was the defense. I really, I wasn't, the defense wasn't as connected to me or as connected as I thought going into it, going into the season um, in the first heading in the first two games. It just, it just wasn't as connected to me. Um, There were too many times where Miami would be playing. They would string up. I mean, they were stringing up possession or not stringing up possessions. Um, They were forcing teams deep into the shot clock and they, they were just surrendering wide open looks or looks that teams shouldn't be getting that deep into the shot clock. And that was really, that kind of goes also a little bit hand in hand with the rebounding because the way you close a defense possession is rebounding the basketball. If Miami can't rebound the basketball effectively, um, that just gives another teams another chance to uh, put points up on the board. And those can be killer late in the game. It runs time off the clock. You, it, this isn't something that's, I should, or this isn't something new to you. This is something isn't new to the audience listening, but um, it's something that's happened. Uh, but there was just too many times where, I mean, they're going to allow corner threes. That's schem- kind of schematically what they've done under Spolster for the last several years is they'll, I mean, they'll allow their fair share of corner threes, but just the looks that they've been, that teams have been getting from beyond the arc. Um, I wasn't necessarily impressed with. Um, yeah. I mean, but you also, but you also gave me, I also want to talk about uh, some of the production, the, the production off the bench. That was another thing that, uh, I mean, you kind of hinted at it with like Strews being p- possibly the best score. Um, I think he's leading all bench scores in points right now, for the, if I can remember correctly. But I mean, I've been most impressed right. with Gabe. Yeah, I've been most impressed with Gabe off the bench. I mean, Gabe has been that like kind of that one shot creator. But um, Miami doesn't have that. I mean, last year it was Tyler. Last year it was Tyler who was who come off the bench and kind of ignite that offense a little bit, especially when Miami's starting lineup hit a run and that happened middle late of the season. Um, they don't have that guy right now, old Depot out old Depot is supposed to be that kind of shot creator, uh, scorer, ball handler, initiator that Tyler kind of was last year. Maybe not to the degree that Tyler was maybe not the similar style that Tyler was, but he was supposed to be that person. And he hasn't played in the first three games because of knee tendonitis. And so now that he, it's kind of interesting. Spolster has been tinkering with these lineups and now he's having Jimmy play with the bench unit a little bit, at least to start the game. He's taking Jim, Jimmy's one of the first subs out and brings Struess in. And then Jimmy will eventually play with the, with the, the Vincent's, the Struces, the Duncan Robbins and the Deadman as kind of that ball or kind of that primary initiator offensively. And I mean, there's been at times where it's worked um, and at times where it hasn't looked as pretty, um, but last year, Tyler kind of was that guy. Tyler would, at least towards the first half of the season, would come in for Kyle. And then Kyle would kind of initiate that offense with Tyler and the rest of the bench guys. Um, and Bolster's still tinkering with stuff. And so when we talk about, like, this three-game sample, well, yeah, Miami's one and two. It hasn't looked the prettiest always. Contextualize it a little bit more. They're going up against the Bulls, Raptors, and Celtics, three playoff teams. And so, yeah, you're, we're we're sitting here upset at some of these what's going what's been going on. But when you contextualize it a little bit, they're still tinkering with stuff. So I'm not necessarily blaming Spolster. I'm not getting on him for that. But there's just these little wrinkles that have been that have taken place 
And I feel like we need to like acknowledge that, but yeah, there has been some things that not all of us have liked, like the rebounding, like the defense at times, like some of the, even the offense at times hasn't looked the prettiest. As you mentioned with the lack of shot creation, teams have been going on runs and some of that's due to the lineup. Some of that's just due to stagnation, whatever the case is. I mean, Boston, they became stagnant. Bam got in foul trouble. Just a bunch of different things. I mean, Bam was like, what? I don't. I can't remember what he finished, but at one point he was like a plus fifteen, and Miami was down by like almost fifteen. Like it was, it was something ridiculous. Like again, like these things. When you add these things up together, it makes sense why Miami is where they're at right now. But um, yeah, I think you. I think you nailed it again. I'm going on like a tangent here. But like you nailed it on the head with. Uh, with like the lack of shot creation and I'm not really going to, I mean, the Mitchell thing, it is what it is at this point. I know it's um, fun to think about, but it, it, it's, 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 it's fun to think about, but at the same time, like I was all, I mean, personally, I was, I was more so in on Tyler than I was trying to trade half the team for Mitchell, but I, not that I don't understand the appeal of Mitchell, but that time has passed. I get it. I get it. But uh, like, it is fun to think about, but now we now we have Tyler here to hopefully become our Donovan Mitchell. No, actually, someday, I, and yeah, and kind of leading he's still into a better defender. Player. If you think uh, about it, you know Mitchell or Hero. Hero is a better defender than Mitchell. Because Mitchell, Mitchell is. I mean, Mitchell not a good was, defender. Mitchell was pretty bad. He's, he's but I'm. I don't. I don't. They both haven't had their. Moments. I mean, Mitchell has the intangibles. He has the physical tools. Of course. But on the defensive end, like it's a, it could be a real discussion. Like I want to tackle this in a couple of years because I want to see if Tyler can put on muscle and maintain it right. over the course of a season. But I'd like to see who we who we count as a better defender back then or uh, at that point because I think it'll be an right. interesting conversation. And uh, that's right. not to take anything away from Donovan Mitchell, who is Tyler's. Not- Tyler's had sneaky. I mean, he's been picked on a lot, which is. Teams are going to do all the time with he's him. improved when yeah. Miami's when Miami will soft switch him on, but he's, I mean, he's improved. like, I would say there's been like flashes of like, he's shown the Iggy hands. He's, he's been able to swipe at the ball a little bit. Like he, again, I don't want to necessarily call it like good defense, but he's had good defensive moments, I guess, so far this season and yeah. that we saw, but it's, he's it's definitely improved defensively since he's came but um, let's not spend too much time on Tyler because I know he'll 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 probably pop up in what you like. So um, yeah. let's. Yeah, uh, I was about ready to lead that way. Like, what do we liked? I've loved what I've seen from Tyler so far. Yeah, I I I loved it too. Um, I loved what uh, there's 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 a couple things like uh, aside from last night. Um, I've loved what I've seen from Bam. I've loved mm-hmm. what I've seen from Tyler, and um, it's fair to say that Jimmy is playing just as well as he's always played. You know, uh, in heat uniform, like I don't sense any regression in Jimmy. Um, I've also liked the last two games from Kyle Lowry. I know, I know everyone uh, was ready to, you know, to basically chase him out of Miami after the first game, and like rightfully so. That was a well, not rightfully so. It was an overreaction to a poor. Yeah, I was, about to, I was about to say. Um, but that being said, uh, he's played really well over the last couple games. Um, and, uh, you know, from a scoring perspective, from a defense perspective, and just from a general playmaking perspective. So I've really enjoyed that too. Um, you know, that like where I harp on the, where I harp on consistency, you know, because we're consistently bad at the same things every season. Um, the heat, the score is consistently good at some of the stuff or most of the offensive stuff during the season. You know what I mean? Like there's uh they know how to play together at this point, which is, which is very cool. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's still things that, uh, that I'd like to see fixed, but 
Uh, you jump on it, Matt. What have you enjoyed? Um, what have you liked about these uh, first games? Like, look, I'm so frustrated after the after the selfless loss, and like, I know we won yesterday, but I also also hated the fact that it got so close towards the end. So it's like, yeah. as a, as happy as I am about a dub, I still have a sour taste in my mouth after these three games. I'll start. I'll start with uh, with Tyler. Um, I talked a little bit about, or I'll have my. I'll have uh, the player grades going up. I'm doing player grades for the first three games. Spoiler alert. Um, by the time you're probably listening to this, you probably might have already read it. And if you haven't, go check it out at hothopes.com. Um, but one of the things I talked about with Tyler was I liked how he's – it looks like he's – I think he's more confident with his finishing ability. And we've seen it over the first few games, especially – the one play last night, I can't remember who got the rebound. Tyler shoots through the lane. He finishes through Precious. He babies him a little bit, calls him too small. And that was a very funny moment, in my opinion, um, just because of, like, Precious is 6'9". Tyler's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and Tyler's laying on the ground. He's saying. Um, but I think Tyler, I mean, with him adding more muscle over these last several seasons, he's become a more confident slasher. Um, he's more confident off the dribble. He has a tighter handle. Um, and then, of course, just his shot making has been awesome. Um, I haven't looked at the splits, but I'm guessing it's near 50, 40, 90 range through these first three games. And he seems he seems as confident, not just as a scorer, but as a playmaker that I've ever seen him. I mean, we t- I, don't, I wish we would have had this like podcasts going last year because there were multiple times where it was like, okay, Tyler's been good in the pick and roll. He's been good as a primary initiator, but like he's ran into those teams where it's like Cleveland or something like that. They're just a little bit too big and they, they blitz him a little bit too, a little bit too Ruth, not ruthlessly. Ruthlessly is the wrong word, but they're a little bit more aggressive off those blitzes. And Tyler didn't react as well to that. Those were growing moments for Tyler. And this year, like I've, I've threaded it on Twitter um, and I've talked about it a little bit during the games, Tyler off the pick and roll, even when teams have been blitzing him, no matter how hard they have been blitzing him, he's reacted better. He's making more sound reads. He's, he's making quicker decisions. He's making the, he's making the accurate passes, not just the right passes, but the accurate passes um, to set up shooters or to set up um, another like just moving the ball around, moving, moving the defense around, creating different rotations and stuff like that. And when he's doing that, especially when he's, when he's able to do that within the parameters of the starting lineup and especially, hopefully we'll see it more him with him in the bench unit. It makes the offense more cohesive. It, It creates more movement within the offense. And I think that's very, very important. Um, not just for his success alone, but for the team's success, because that opens up the offense, that 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 creates the extra pass, that uh, makes the tag defender or uh, the defender on the weak side think a little bit more about, um, do I want to tag this action or do I want to uh, help a little bit or I will drift a little bit towards the shooter. It makes those it makes you think a little bit more, especially when you're having that when Tyler has that two on one or three on two or four on three advantage. And I liked what I've seen from him out of the, as an initiator, I think he's grown substantially in that department. Cause remember uh, after his rookie season spoke kind of threw him in the fire his second year and it didn't, he didn't always respond well to it. But again, those are just the growing moments that he had. 
Um, and now he's learned from that. He's added muscle. He's, he's more confident. And um, I think all of that has gelled together. I mean, and that, that pairs well with the scoring ability. Cause I mean, whether it's off the catch or off the dribble, he's looked as crisp as uh, shifty as ever. And I think um, that's really been, really been very good to see, especially since there were so many questions heading into the season about how good or how, uh, what his, like, I guess, adjustment to the starting lineup would be. Cause I mean, when he started in the past, he hasn't necessarily performed well. Now he looks like just, hasn't looked like anything's changed from last year when he won six men of the year. Do you think it's sustainable? Um, Tyler's always had a problem with durability, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen that over the last like few seasons since the rookie or since the rookie season. Do you think like, it's kind of cool looking at Tyler's stats. Um, he's an incredibly consistent ball player, especially, especially uh, when it comes to his splits. Um, and right now it's, it's kind of cool. He's averaging pretty much the exact same as his six man of the year stats. Uh, aside from the fact that he's having less turnovers, which is pretty great, but do you think this level of play? Um, and obviously yesterday they had the foul trouble. Do you think, uh, do you think it's sustainable for the, for the long course of the 82 game season? And do you think he'll play more games than he usually has? I think, I mean, well, it's, I mean, it's difficult to predict injuries, injuries to an, to an extent are always unpredictable. I mean, you guys have, you have guys that are injury prone, um, but so you will have guys that are healthy their entire career and then injury sparks up or whatever. But um, I think his play is sustainable, especially if you contextualize the fact that he's gone up against two of the top three defenses that will probably end the year within the top five to 10. I think Boston, I still think Boston's the best defense in the league. Um, I think Toronto, they're always feisty enough to be one of the best defenses in the league. And Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the NBA. He always finds a way to muck things up in the half court for half court offense. Um, I don't think they were at the, I guess, cream of their crop last night, per se. I mean, second out of the back to back, whatever. Yeah, and Barnes early on doesn't help things yeah. here. And I mean, like they're missing their length too with Chris Boucher still hurt. And, right. Yeah. And who might play tomorrow? Yeah. Who might play tomorrow? Um, but like shout out to Chris Boucher, Montreal native. From home. Yeah. I still think uh I still think just if you just add that factor, I mean, of course, standing three talking about three games here, again, the only sample that we can go off of, but I still think Tyler hasn't shown anything to me that says he can't sustain it. Um, but I, I mean, I guess that's my best justification for why not. But I think just if you contextualize who he's played and who he's gone up against and who he's playing with, I mean, if he's averaging the similar numbers compared to what he has last year, I mean, last year he came out for Benjamin. Yeah. He still played a decent amount of with the starters, but when you're kept contextualizing the fact that he is playing now with the starters, I would probably say a fair majority of the time I haven't looked at the splits or whatever. Um, I still think that he is definitely capable of keeping this play up. And again, I, there hasn't been, I think Tyler at 22 is only going to get better, but yeah. who knows? Growth isn't always progression. Growth isn't always linear. Who knows? But I still think that I, I, again, Tyler hasn't shown anything to me yet to, to say that he's not capable of at least sustaining what he's doing right now over an 82 game season. Cause he just did it last. Yeah, no, that that's, that's totally fair. Um, kind of leads me into the next thing with, uh, 
with kind of what's what's surprised us about the season uh, thus far. And there's one stat that really sticks out, and it's just a throwaway stat. This is not going to be what surprised me, but looking at the team leaders right now, Max Struess leads the team in blocks. Uh, which I just, Wait, what? Yes, zero points out in blocks <laughs> per game. Uh, the team leaders right now, Jimmy Butler, 22 points. Bam Adebayo, 8.0 rebounds. Uh, 5.3 assists for Kyle. 1.7 steals for Kyle. And 0.7 blocks per game for one Max Struess. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at when I was looking at the stats earlier. I didn't catch it. He was a team leader. Yeah. I guess that would make sense after the last couple of games. Three games in, man. We can't. <laughs> we can't make it clear. Last couple. I say the last couple of games, and it's like, wait, that's the entire season. Yes. No. That, that's that's <laughs> that's literally it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, things that have surprised us this season. Um, I'm gonna take it away on this one, and then I'll pass it back over to you, Matt. Um. It's Duncan Robinson. He has not really been involved. And aside from like a few nice threes yesterday, I was expecting a little bit more from him uh, based on what we'd seen uh, from last season and what we'd seen from the preseason. And, you know, I'm always in for a nice revenge season, but it's like, if we're really going to go out there and want to rebuild Duncan's stock for a potential trade down the line, or just to see him be that contributor that we know he can be, I need to see a little bit more than this. And uh, like, he just hasn't been a part of the game plan. He seems totally replaced or totally eclipsed by Max at this point. And that's, uh, and you know, that's not to say Max isn't playing well. He's playing great, you know, uh, in two out of three games, he's been a 20 point scorer in each. And like I said, he's the team leader in blocks right now. So, um, you know, that's not to take away anything from Max, but I just expected more from Duncan and maybe he'll surprise me. Maybe as Spo tinkers with the lineups a little bit more, he'll have more of a place in the lineup. But yeah, I expected a little bit more at this point. What do you think? I would agree with you. I mean, it, it was it's always going to be, or it was always going to be hard for Duncan to come back and be the 15-minute, 20-per-minute, 25-per-minute guy um, after how last season, I mean, we talked, we talked about on the first pod um, how we were, well, at least how I was surprised with Duncan um, and how he played throughout the preseason. Um, I thought he looked like last year never happened almost. And again, that's we're talking about that in a preseason context. Um, and through three games, it, it was a little bit surprising um, at times how Spo has gone away from Duncan. Um, I, I want to say it was either the first or second game. Didn't he get like single digit minutes? Like I don't have I don't have it in front of me, but like he only got like I'll confirm right now. Uh, but if like six or seven minutes, I want to say it was against Boston. I don't I but I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm I'm all over the place here, but uh nope, six minutes against Boston. He had one Yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah, six minutes against Boston. Oh, he also had an assist, but he almost put up a trillion. So <laughs> not ideal. Yeah, but like like it, it, that does surprise me at times, especially when we're talking about like okay, stagnation in an offense. Uh, well, what can help with stagnation? Well, like obviously moving around. Well, who's better at moving around on the seat roster at times than Duncan Robinson? Not really anyone, especially. But you have to one call those sets and be on the same page with everything and. I mean, Duncan, yeah, he does still does have the propensity to foul a little bit. Um, that's not necessarily 
going to go away from him. I mean, it's just sometimes it's silly foul, sometimes not, whatever the case. But, like, it has surprised me a little bit. It has surprised me a little bit how 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 short of the leash that – how short of a leash he's had through these three games. But it also, at the same time, like, makes sense because I just didn't think he was going to come back and be like, there's a world beater off the bench. It's going to take time. It, it's just going to take time. I, I I came into the season expecting him to be probably the eighth, ninth, or tenth guy off the bench. Well, he's ex- been exactly that through these first three games, um, only averaging like what 10, 11 minutes a game, and he's not getting a whole lot of run yet. Maybe that'll change. Maybe like he'll come down. Maybe the, I mean you never know with this team because I mean any guy can come in and hurt you on any given night. There might be a situation where the player picks up foul trouble or whatever. And we're talking about Duncan Robinson who hit four or five threes in 23 minutes, you know, it's just one of those things where you just can't always predict what's going to happen. But at least through these first three games, I've been a little bit surprised, especially with that Boston game. Cause I thought they were a little bit stagnant. Um, I thought they could have used a little bit of, uh, I guess, spacing um, to open up the offense a little bit, especially against how good Boston has been uh, defensively. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Well, at least to a degree. The other thing I wanted to bring up and discuss with you is, uh, is Bam. Uh, Bam, obviously, he's already making his case for the defensive player of the year. And uh, as far as um, the odds makers are concerned, you know, I think everybody's pretty much on the same wavelength that he can actually do it and probably will do it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, he's, uh, the game changes when Bam's on the floor, especially from the defensive end. With that being said, I did expect a little bit more offensively. Like that's not to say in his first couple games he was pretty good offensively. He had uh, he had a twelve points against Chicago, which isn't great, but he had nineteen points uh, against Boston, and that was with foul trouble. Uh, but last night he seemed a little passive again. Um, for someone who had such high player usage during the preseason, and the kind of, that's what I kind of thought the preview of what how he might be used this season. He seems to have reverted back to, you know, the Bam that we see during the season. Who you know, well. And a pre and a post game press conferences saying that he needs to be more aggressive, you know. And it says uh, his player usage at this point is, I guess, the third lowest it's been uh, since his rookie season. Obviously, we're three games in. That's uh, you can't you can't you have to take it with a grain of salt. But um, you know, and what's the the other thing I wanted to say about it was trying to look for Bam's uh, point numbers right now. He is he's behind Max Struess in in points per game. Um, which is not what you want your perennial all-star uh, or secondary all-star at least to be, you know, especially when we were all expecting this big offensive improvement. So, you know, we know Bam will ease into his role. Um, his shots weren't falling in Chicago. He looked good against the Celtics, but he was again passive last night. You know, I want maybe I, I might be, you know, riding the bandwagon here and really wanting Bam to become the next Chris Bosch type offensive, uh, offensive superstar. But you know, we've seen the flashes at this point. Do you think it's something that's going to happen? Or do you think this is what Bam is at this point? I mean, last night I was, I, I, wanna, I don't want to call him passive. I wouldn't use that as a right. Because it's like when you had guys like Lowry Cook and, and Struess and Vincent sure. um, and Jimmy and even Hero in the first half. I mean, I think there was, there was room for Bam to kind of be that, I don't want to, what do I, how do I want to put this? He, there was room for Bam to just kind of take a step back a little bit. Like, I don't think necessarily he was passing. I mean, of course, he got going a little bit late. He had, a, he had that blob uh, from Tyler. I mean, he wasn't 
I maybe as involved in the offense as you'd like them to be, but with how Miami's offense is rolling, how they put up 71 on incredible, incredible efficiency, efficiency in that first half. Um, I thought he, like, I thought there was room for him. I didn't think I wasn't really looking at his like shots taken per se and being like, Oh, what the heck? Um, Cause I thought the offense was going good, but I think in terms of like your question, um, I mean, I think I've kind of gone back on back and forth on this. Like, I think to an extent, Bam is who he is with the playmaking. Like we're never going to see, we're never, ever going to see Bam face up and go at a defender every single time um, because part of him isn't just ingrained to uh, look for the, look for the guys on the off the handoff or whatnot. Cause that's to an extent how the offense operates. Um, but like when we look at it for like Chicago, I mean, you mentioned uh, against Boston, how he was in foul trouble. He was in foul trouble. Um, at least down the stretch of that game, he was very, very good in the first quarter. He was he looked every time he was touching the ball, he was facing up. He was looking aggressive with the shot. I mean, of course, he only I think he only took a, what, eleven shots, something like that. And so he was. It didn't end up looking at like okay, it's not the eighteen that he was talking about on media day how he wanted to take eighteen shots a game or something like that. Um, and then against Chicago, who was just, it, it just was one of those nights where it just wasn't falling for him. I mean, he was getting perfectly good looks. It just wasn't dropping for him. And he was 5'15 that night. Um, so to an extent, like, I think to, I think to a degree he is what it is, but like, I still think Bam's capable of putting up 21, 22, 23 points a game, but I don't necessarily think he, we need him to do that always, especially oh. when guys like Lowry, Butler, um, hero are cooking with grace. I mean, of course, we want Bam to be integrated in the offense to an extent, right? We don't want him just to be like, we don't want him not touching the ball. Um, but like when it comes to just, the, I like it, it, I, it kind of bugs me when it, when people just look at the shot attempts every night, not to say, um, sure. these last couple of games are an example of that. But like when we look at the shot attempts from like the playoffs, it's like, well, he was one of the best defense players on the floor. Well, that's, that's true. So I think he's I still think, creating I mean, an impact and he's still doing what it takes. I mean, yeah, he might, there's times where he, you, you're not in love with like, okay, the defender's playing four feet off him or whatever, or not four feet off him, like 10 feet off him. And then he's not taking the shot, but like to an extent, I think it, he is, he is what he is from an extent, but like, I wouldn't say he's first, I think he's more than capable of putting up 15, 20 a game as the season wears on, it's just a matter of if he can avoid foul trouble and if we're not knocking down threes and if we need someone, if they're not respecting him at all, if he, he's facing up and he's got someone who's six, four on him. Can you go after him a little bit? Yeah. I think, I think for a lot of like, all that sentiment stems from the fact that the heat really don't have a secondary score right now. I want it to be Tyler hero. I don't want it to always have to be Jimmy Butler, you know, but we do need um, that, but like to avoid the third quarter as it's so uh, eloquently coined or, you know, to avoid, uh, to avoid the scoring drafts, we do need that secondary score. Personally, I'd love it to be Bam, you know, just because I think he, like you said, he is capable of it. Like we all saw Bam put up 40 against yeah. Brooklyn, not that long, like a couple seasons ago, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know I think and, the answer is Tyler though. I like think so too. If we're looking for an answer right now, I think the answer is far and away it's Tyler, and maybe 
if Tyler and Tim, Tyler at some point might even become the team's like first option. Like I think Tyler, I don't, and I don't think that's a knock on Van. No, I don't think, I just think that's either. a testament to, I just think that's a testament to Tyler and Tyler's. I think we're more so looking for Bam to be that third guy yeah, in terms I, of like scoring offensively. At, at least at this point, if you, if you were to ask me the same question two years ago, I probably would have wanted to say the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I think just from what we've seen over time, I think Tyler truly is that guy. I want, I want Tyler to be that guy too. I just need to see it like a, and I saw it in his initial playoff run in the bubble. I need him to be that guy in the playoffs too. You know what yeah. I mean? And you know, yeah. that, that's, that's not to say he wasn't banged up in the playoffs, but like early on, like I wanted six man of the year, Tyler, at least last playoffs, but we could do a whole podcast on Tyler hero. We could do a whole podcast on Bam, but we just wanted to kind of touch on that stuff. Um, as we, as we head into week two of the season and um, you know, we got a West coast road trip ahead aside from uh, aside from Toronto again tomorrow. So Matt to, as we wrap up today's pod, uh, let's get the predictions, man. How do you think this week is going to go? Are we, are we going to be happy heat fans or, uh, oh my God, are we going to be bitter on Twitter? Bitter on Twitter. Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. We've told coin now. I don't quarter every, every time anyone uses it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw, I'll throw the trademark tag on it next time I can Beautiful. Um, so, okay, so we got Toronto, Portland, Golden State, SAC in that order. Is that my, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Toronto, Portland, Golden State, uh, and then SAC. Okay. And I know, wait, isn't the, isn't the Portland, Golden State a back-to-back? Uh, yep. Portland, Golden State is back-to-back, 26th and 27th, both uh, 10 p.m. times for those on the East Coast. <laughs> Matt is going to enjoy a nice evening heat game on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, predicting this is difficult. I mean, Toronto, I will say, Toronto, I will say again. It's all, I love the Heat Toronto rivalry. Um, Miami, like at least I get the Raptors uh, Twitter fans too, uh, because I am based in Canada, and um, I love that it has become such a rivalry at this point because both are similar teams, both are exceptional organizations with hella hella good player development. You know what I mean? Can we talk about the Caleb thing for a second? Yeah, actually, I want you to talk about the Caleb we, thing because I need you to put it in context a little bit. Okay, so let, let, I, was, I just want to address this because, I mean, I can't believe we've gotten this part and we haven't talked about the most exciting night, Saturday night in history. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, like, so he gets in, he gets into the fight with Coloco. He, he probably instigated it. I mean, we, you, you and I, and other Heat fans on Twitter, when we're typing the tweet, we're like, "Oh my God, he just body slammed Tyler, or he body slammed Christian Coloco." It was, it was like, a great This is awesome. Let's go, Caleb. Let's go, Caleb. But when you like, when you think about it, it's like, okay, who started? Who instigated? Whatever. Caleb probably was the one who was yeah. in the wrong. But who cares? It's who a, cares that Caleb? Who, like, who cares that Caleb is in the wrong? But like, anyways. When we talk about that, but then like I saw a few things last night where it was like, there. Did you? Did I don't? I kind of vaguely remember this, but you did you remember the play last year where you like incidentally shoved OG into the stands? Yes, yes. I saw. I saw the Raptors uh, Twitter uh, Caleb yeah. Powell compilation. Yeah, I was like, wait, like w- wait, like what? One, I don't think like Caleb's a dirty player, right? No, it's it's it's. I, I don't know. Know. 
like Raptors, like, that Raptors play to fans. Me was like all like momentum. Like Caleb was just like barreling into OG, and it was like it was just some like freak accident or whatever. But like the Caleb thing, it was very funny. Like last, I'm talking about last night. Last night was like very funny because like, I mean, I've I've followed Caleb and like what he's done through like the last like five or six years. Um, because I covered him in college, uh, or at least to the end of his college career. But like, it's just it's just cra- it's just crazy to me how he's now getting labeled as like. But it's but it's not if you put it in context because the Heat and the Raptors have beef now. If you think about it, we got to look back at a couple things. They've, it's always been. But it's, I mean, not it, always been, but there's always like it's always like the. Uh, but it's a re- it's recency beef, man. Because you got to look at it, right? Like back back in the playoffs, we you know circle all the way back to 20, 2016. You had Goran Dragic ripping apart the Raptors in the playoffs, and then you trade the greatest Raptor of all time to the Miami Heat for Goran Dragic and Precious Achua, and Goran Dragic plays two games there and basically goes. And I'll tell you right now, um, Raptors fans absolutely detest Goran Dragic. They hate him. Yeah. They hate him so much and they go out of their way to basically, you know, I don't, I but don't they like Precious. Policy is, but they shit on him every chance he gets, they, or I'm sorry, every chance they get, you know what I mean? And, 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 but, and, but they like Precious, right? I mean, Precious has developed into a pretty, to his credit, it's Precious solid. developed into a pretty, like pretty solid rotation player for him. And when Kyle got traded last year, I don't think any Raptors fan was mad at Kyle for going to the Heat. No, no, nobody was mad at him. They were just mad. So at I don't. Him. <laughs> but it's like, like I'm just, I, I was just a little bit. I mean, I mean, guess my entire point here, I really didn't have a point to begin with, but I was just a little surprised that, like, after last night, I mean, yeah, I mean, the fight wasn't obviously a great look for Caleb. It was, it was a very funny, like, amazing because I didn't expect, I didn't expect that at all. Like, no, I didn't. But the t- I'm still the trying to figure out close. the reaction, why Caleb had the reaction that he had. I mean. He said post game that it was like just multiple things leading up to it. I will, I kind of want to go back and re-rack the film, like it, what it, exactly those moments were. But like it, I still I found it to be very funny that he was just all of a sudden like, yeah, this is like the like Caleb Martin from like last year, and they're painting like last year he was like a dirty player for that one incident. And I'm just like, wait, like that's it, not that wasn't a dirty incident at all. Like last night, it was funny. He probably should have been signed to the Dolphins today or the U or someone. <laughs> but like, it's not. I don't think it's. It, it always surprises like me. It's just, I think for me, it's just funny, but no, I'm not it, looking it, at it, it like is. a dirty player, not a dirty player thing. But it's ironic too that you know, because uh, you know, as a Canadian, and uh, you know, the, the you know the the Raptors are the one Canadian team. Uh, they are in Toronto, where the most popular sport and popular team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, or you know, as a Montreal, wow. oh fan, yeah, okay, that makes sense. As a Montreal okay. fan, the Toronto Maple Laps, um, you know where fighting will break out in a hockey game, you know, on, you know, pretty much nightly, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's always funny to me where, you know, where it's like a fan base who let's face it, likely watch both the Raptors and the Maple Leafs for, for a good chunk of them, you know, will kind of get up in arms about dirty plays. You know what I mean? So that, that, that always kind of makes me laugh, but you know, moving on, I think the Ra- like I love the Raptors Heat rivalry. It is so fun talking basketball with Raptors fans, especially like in you know great fan in base. Canada. Uh, it's fantastic fan base. They're so passionate. Wonderful um, fan base. But they have, I was I remember I was telling a friend of mine uh, who wasn't at the time very familiar with 
I'm not familiar with basketball, but like around like 2018, 2019. And like, I was telling them like, like you, like the Raptors, if they win the finals, like that place is going to go bonkers. I mean, yeah, I'm a big baseball fan. Um, this might upset some people in the room or whatever, but I'm, I am a Yankees fan. You, I mean, if you see it on video, you see the flag in the background or whatever. Um, but like Toronto has like one of the most rabid, like in a good way, rabid fan bases, especially with the Blue Jays because they're the only uh, baseball team based in Canada other than like the Expos went back in the day. Um, and then of course the Raptors with basketball, like you like that, there's an entire country behind that team. And like, if their team is good, like that team, that team is going to get pumping. Like one of my favorite, like just sports moments of all time was when Jose Bautista hit that home run. With the um, yeah. The bat flip. Uh, I think it was off Sam Dyson. I can't remember. Like, I, I don't, I want to say it was like the ALDS, but any, anyways, like it was just one of the most iconic, like, like just moments. Cause that place, like that place, I can't believe that place just didn't fall to the ground. That place was just bumping. And like that would have been just one of the best sports atmospheres to be in, especially when you look at the 2019 run with the Raptors. Oh yeah, um, when they got quiet, that place that place was just incredible, and like they have an incredible fan base. Well, yeah, um, I know. I mean, I know they still, I know, I know they still catch crap for uh, cheering when I don't, I don't want to say cheering, but like you heard cheers when Duran got hurt in the. There's always the going to be or whatever, but like. I don't, I don't know. I, you can't judge like that small sector for the entire fan base. You just can't do that. No. But like they have one of the most like rabid fan bases, but I was just, again, surprised last night that a sector, a sector of Raptors Twitter was, was getting on Caleb for something that happened last year and painting him as like a dirty player for what happened last night. Last night wasn't probably the best look for Caleb, but like, again, when it comes to that stuff, especially since he's on the heat, I don't, I don't really no. care. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, I more so think it's funny, but I mean, I could see how you could be upset if you're a Raptors fan. So now, now that I'm thinking and talking out loud, I probably yeah. understand a little bit where they're coming from, but like at the same time, like yesterday was the Coloco thing was hilarious. Like I was just, it was so out of nowhere. I was like, wait, like he just two legged take. Like it doesn't need to happen. Like, perfect form. Tech. Excellent. Yeah, form. It's great. Uh, it was a, that's it. It's like, an, you know, it didn't need to happen, obviously. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I'd rather not lose Caleb for a game, you know, for doing stuff like that. I mean, but, I don't think it's come out yet. Has it come out yet? While well, we've been recording, it's probably going to come out right after you report because that's just our luck. Yeah, that's probably. The um, but, but you know, it's a, the, the, like, heat, the Heat are no strangers to scrutiny. They're the most villainous uh, organization in, in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, it's, it's just, it's just the way it's going to be, but Let's jump on. Why yeah. you start? Why you say that? I want to. Talk, I mean, I'm going off again. Tangents here. I'm, I apologize for this. Why is there? Did you did you see? I mean, not actually. I don't want to say the person's name, but there were there were rankings that were put out about like watchability, like teams with watch with with and without watchability. And it like the, it wasn't the league pass rankings, was it? No, no. I mean, I guess the league pass rankings. I mean, sure you could use that, but like there was, there was discourse before the season about like the heat being like, I mean, it's like this every year. I can't really be surprised, but like, it's just, it, it kind of, I don't want to say like blows my mind, but it just surprises me. Like 
what am I missing? The heater labeled as like some like unwatchable deal. Like, what am I? I'm like, okay, they were just outside the top 10 last year in three point rate and they play excellent defense in in, in an era where they get, where people criticize them. People criticize like just outside, like people who aren't NBA fans criticize the NBA for not being able to play defense. The Heat are one of many teams like the Warriors, like the Bucks. Uh, like the Celtics who like are very good defensive teams. And yet they're labeled as like, they're labeled as like unwatchable. I mean, again, sure. Jimmy might not be the most important superstar, might not be the most exciting superstar, or whatever. Bam might not be the most exciting superstar or whatever. But like when this team is humming, like the, the, the off ball movement, the playmaking, um, the ball movement, the defensive like prowess that this team carries. And it's just, it surprised me a little bit. Like, the heat could be labeled as a team that's like unwatchable and like a team, like, I don't know. I'll just pick one. Like the Lakers might be labeled as well. I mean, of course the LeBron factor that changes everything when it comes to this stuff and it's entertainment for like the drama and like the, I guess the rust purposes, people like the hate watch Russ for people are just weird, but like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm going on a tangent here when I say that. Like, yeah, just, no, let me jump like, in. What am I missing? What am I missing with that? I need, I guess I need to ask someone who like thinks that. It's, it's, yeah. it's just always been like a weird take to me. I mean, yeah, Bam said it himself. He played great, ugly basketball, but like, it's not unwatchable. Well, it's, it's, it's perspectives, right? Like we don't view Miami Heat basketball as ugly basketball because we see what it's, we see what it's great for. You know what I mean? It's great. Right. Like the heat keep teams to, you know, you can always. Heat fans, I'll say it. Heat fans are weird. We're weird. Yeah. No, it's like like weird stuff when it comes to like, we like the toughness and the grit. We don't, but at the same time, like the heat aren't just toughness and grit. They, it's not. At least when they're, when they're cooking, they're a fun team to watch on a nightly basis. I don't, again, it's it's also like the drama, like the heat don't have a lot of drama when it comes to their organization. But like when we're talking about just basketball wise, it's not Hollywood anymore, right? It's not the big three era. There's no, there's no flash. There's no flair. You don't have LeBron throwing off the backboard passes to Wade anymore. Sorry if you hear uh, like a, a ball squeak in the background. My dog is, uh, my dog's playing with a toy. But you don't have that anymore. You have this kind of grit and grind, like non-flashy uh, basketball team, and that's okay. We enjoy that, you know. But it's like. So where when but when you get the playoffs or something, and you know Miami has kept the Celtics or a team pretty much, or it kept Trey Young to twelve points in a game. You know, people start to view that as oh, you know, like if you're watching a Heat game, you're not getting the star power because the you know, unless you're Demar Derozan, they're generally keeping you to like a, a pretty pretty conservative um, amount of points. You know. But it's also also like, yeah, Miami has that villainy factor. People still hate them from the LeBron era. And you get to see that in the national games. Like, you know, the Heat are going to get a handful of national games every year, you know. Uh, and there's play, and there's guys who hate the Heat. So you have Jeff Van Gunn, who's always going to say some nasty stuff about Miami. But, you know, but you're also going to get guys. Um, I think it was really relevant in Wade's last year where it's like, like when they talked about Justice Winslow, who I think at the time was averaging like 40% from three. And they were saying, oh, Justice is just not a shooter. You know what I mean? Like he can't shoot at all. And it's like the statistics are right in front of you. It's like the national guys definitely don't watch them. Well, I think we could pretty much get to wrapping things up. But one thing's for sure is the Heat, you know, finish up with the Raptors and on this, uh, this road trip, we should be in for some pretty excellent basketball. Just from a watchability standpoint, even those who hate watching Miami. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to be, 
I mean, the Heat Raptors always play like seven hour games, yeah. six, seven hour games, depending on depending on how many like fouls. Are I mean, there's games that are always so fun and so long. You asked me my prediction a while ago. I'm going to just say off the rip, I'm going to say two and two. This week. I think I, I agree with that. I think that's a, you know, I'd like to say a little bit better, but you know, you never know on any given night, especially this early in the season. But um, yeah, yeah, two and two might be a little bit optimistic, especially since, but, but again, like, like anything can happen on any given night. But like, just from the the angles that we talked about, like how good slash bad Miami's been defensively, offensively, whatnot. I'm interested to see how they'll how they'll fare against the youth of Nurkic's of the world, the the Kevon Looney's, the Draymond Greens, the um, the big guys on the interior, if Miami can stay out of foul trouble, if they can get better production from Dwayne Dedman off the bench, well, Yurt's not playing. Absolutely. It would be nice get, to get those guys back from injury, too. I want to see Yurt, and I want to see Oladipo, and you know, we got a, got a few games to see if they come back. But yep. um, I think that's a dis- decent place to end it. So until next week, I'm Brandon. That's Matt. And uh, this is... Yeah, sorry. Okay. Apologize for the tangents again. I'll do them a lot. We'll just call them... Uh, Matt's rambles. Yeah, Matt's rambles. Something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, uh, probably with some more guests. We'll probably have Syria back. Uh, maybe even see Diego on here. So, uh, really, thank you for uh, listening tonight, and uh, let's hope we get some wins this week. <laughs>